0: theft is not a joke, Jim. Millions of families suffer every year. Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, a show where we learn something new every week, part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast is able to be continued because of help from our sponsors and those of you who are kind enough to support my Patreon. I love creating these episodes, and if you love listening to them, please consider joining at $1 a month, $5 a month, or $10 a month, at which point you get a producer credit every week on the show. Something else that I'm adding to the Patreon starting this week is my weekly podcast recommendation. I listen to a lot of podcasts, it's something that I love, and I tend to see the world lately through the lens of podcasting. When all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. I'm going to start posting a video every week with a podcast recommendation, something that I enjoy listening to, that I think you'll enjoy also. It's just another benefit, another way of saying thanks for being part of the community there. Once again, that's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. This week's topic is a bit of a departure from our normal stories, which usually take place in the past. This is a story about a current event.
1: Hey, Michael, this is Jake from Steubenville. I just read that Facebook is getting rid of its facial recognition program. I thought it would be interesting if you could do a show about that. Thanks.
0: Uh, Thank you very much for the suggestion. This is a story about a current event, obviously, and at first it seemed like it didn't fit the podcast. But when I heard this, I thought there is no way that's true. And then I looked it up and it's absolutely true. And that exactly is what this show is. Stories that sound fake, but they're true. So let's get into it. In 2019, a pair of rice cookers were left in a subway in New York City. Police started receiving reports from members of the public who were on alert seeing this, especially after the rice cooker bombs that had killed three and injured more than 250 people at the Boston Marathon in 2013. These subway rice cookers were found at the Fulton Street subway station, and police started looking for a suspect who left them there. It only took a few minutes. CCTV had caught the man on camera and police used modern facial recognition software to match them to the suspect. Within the hour, they had the identity of the man. It turned out that the possible bombs were fake, but that's still a felony and the man was caught. It was a success story for facial recognition software. More than 15,000 children have been saved from human trafficking using facial recognition software and more than 17,000 traffickers have been caught. According to securityindustry.org, more than 300 people have been stopped from getting on airplanes under a fraudulent identity using facial recognition software. And it's not just law enforcement that's using the technology successfully. For example, if you're blind and you can't see if you appear in a photo on social media, AI and facial recognition can let you know so you can decide if you want to be tagged or not. There's no doubt that this controversial technology has its share of success stories, but it also has the general public scared out of their minds. At Super Bowl 35, law enforcement used facial recognition to scan the immense crowd packed into Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. When the word got out, the ACLU asked for public hearings about it, claiming it was a Fourth Amendment violation which outlaws unreasonable searches and seizures. Part of the reason that it's become so scary is because of the speed and scale of facial recognition software. The show Black Mirror took this to an extreme in the episode called Hated in the Nation, in which the technology was used for miniature drones in the shape of insects to assassinate unpopular citizens based on facial recognition. It's a dystopian extreme example, but there are times when these dystopian fictions feel like they're not that far away. In China, for example, Uyghurs, a Muslim minority, are being tracked using facial recognition. A data leak showed that China is compiling 6.8 million pieces of facial recognition data a day, with some of those faces being as young as nine days old. Last year, a Detroit man, Robert Williams, was arrested in front of his young children for shoplifting he had been matched using facial recognition software. The problem was that he didn't commit the crime. He never shoplifted. The software made an incorrect match using poor quality surveillance footage. By the time they released him, he had been detained for more than 30 hours. The public backlash to facial recognition has grown so much that one of the largest tech companies in the world, Meta, formerly known as Facebook, has announced they'll stop using the technology. More on that after I tell you about some of our sponsors. My wife and I went up to Traverse City, Michigan last weekend, and it is starting to get cold up there. If you look at the photos on my Instagram, you will see me wearing one of my favorite clothing items for this time of year, my Scotty Vest Fleece. It was awesome for traveling around because it's got pockets for all my gadgets, my phone, my glasses, my wallet, my charging cord. I even bought a book at a bookstore and put it in one of the pockets in the vest. I didn't even feel it in there. I'm pretty confident they've got an article of clothing that you will love. The best thing you can do is take a look at all the awesome pocket-packed clothing on their website. Give them a look at scottyvest.com, and just by listening to this show, you get 15% off your order. Enter promo code TELLME, T-E-L-L-M-E, all one word. That's scottyvest.com, promo code TELLME, or just use the link in the show notes you've got a lot of things to fret over lately when you're traveling safety is a concern your own safety and your friends and your families that's the most obvious concern with this app called beacon you have full control of how much you'd like to share with whom when and for how long so once a year my friends from college and i get together for a guy's weekend we come from all over the place And that day that we're meeting up, we're constantly texting each other to update our ETAs so we can figure out dinner. And it gets to be a lot of texts. With Beacon, everyone signs up and then there's no more need for all those text messages. You can instantly see the ETAs of everyone. And the best part is that Beacon cares about protecting your privacy. So you control how much info you give and when. When you don't want the app to show your location or your name, you just toggle that off. It's that easy. Check out Beacon on Google Play or the App Store or go to beacon.site. Sometimes people ask me what I'm listening to, and one of the podcasts I'm currently digging is called Behind the Bits. I'm a comedy nerd, and I know a lot of my listeners are too. Scott Curtis has this podcast called Behind the Bits where he interviews comedians and people who have serious thoughts about the art of comedy, and he just comes at it from all angles. Stand-up, writing, booking... All of the ins and outs of the comedy game, and it's super listenable. Each episode comes in at, like, just about an hour. He asks the questions that get people talking about the craft, which I really appreciate. Behind the Bits won the Discover Pods Award for Best Interview Style Podcast in 2020. It's been heard in 28 different countries. Scott talks to the legends who paved the way, new sensations, and everyone in between. Whether you're a new comedian, a working comic, or a comedy nerd like me, You'll learn something valuable from behind the bits. Check it out wherever you're listening to podcasts. Now let's get back to the story. Facebook, which is now using the name Meta to describe the parent company that runs social media sites and apps like WhatsApp, Instagram, and Facebook, is the fifth largest publicly traded company in the world with an annual revenue of $85.9 billion with a B. Facebook plays a huge role in modern discourse, forming and changing people's opinions on everything from politics to sports to social issues. What started in 2003 as Mark Zuckerberg and friends' website to sort of objectify fellow co-eds at Harvard became Facebook, a ubiquitous term with which everyone is familiar and most participate. And it's been riddled with scandals throughout its entire history, some dealing with antitrust issues but most of them being about the privacy and security of its users. Targeted advertising using Facebook user data started around 2007, where the company started using the information you provide to allow companies to exploit that information for sales. Facebook responded by allowing users to adjust how their info is handled. In 2018, it was released that Cambridge Analytica, a political consulting firm hired by the Trump campaign, reportedly had harvested data from 87 million Facebook profiles. The controversy came in the claim that this data was directly used to influence the 2016 U.S. presidential election and Brexit in the UK. In 2019, the Federal Trade Commission fined Facebook $5 million, which was a record amount, because of user privacy concerns. A large part of that had to do with their collection of facial recognition data. It was back in 2014 when Facebook publicly revealed its deep face technology. They had purchased an Israeli company, Face.com, two years prior. The technology was actually added to Facebook in 2010 with the idea that auto-suggesting profiles for photo tagging would save users time. Building on the technology of Face.com, they used 3D modeling To develop deep face which when tested had an accuracy rating of 97.25 that means the ai was able to recognize a face just as good as a human being and when you mix that with the sheer amount of facebook users you get the largest data set of facial recognition in history In February of 2021, Facebook settled a lawsuit about its facial recognition in the state of Illinois, where a class action suit was brought claiming the company collected and stored biometric data in the state without proper notice and consent. Once again, the violation came in the form of something that you've probably seen if you're a Facebook user, tag suggestions. This is where Facebook looks at the people in the photo and matches it to the data they have, being photos of existing users, to suggest who to tag. And while they claim they never violated any law, it's likely that Facebook saw more problems on the horizon. On November 2nd, 2021, Facebook shocked the world by announcing they'd be stopping the use of facial recognition and would begin deleting face recognition biodata. They claim that they're trying to find balance between social responsibility and technology, and I think it's safe to say that the whole world noticed that this came only weeks after a huge leak of thousands of documents from within the company that seemed to show that the social media company had knowledge that some of its features and policies had detrimental effects on the mental health of its users, particularly young users. Francis Haugen, a former employee, went public with these documents that, in addition to mental health concern showed the platform had knowledge of its enabling of hate speech, violence, and misinformation. In other words, public scrutiny is at an all-time high. That leak of internal data made Facebook stocks drop 13%. Of course, Facebook would never admit that this is a public relations move. In a post on the website, Jerome Presenti, Facebook's VP of AI, said the following, Every new technology brings with it potential for both benefit and concern, and we want to find the right balance. In the case of facial recognition, its long-term role in society needs to be debated in the open, and among those who will be most impacted by it. We will continue engaging in that conversation and working with the civil society groups and regulators who are leading this discussion." End quote. Adam Schwartz is a lawyer with the Electronic Frontier Foundation. It's a group that champions user privacy and freedom of expression on the internet. He reacted to the decision by saying, quote, Facebook getting out of the face recognition business is a pivotal moment in the growing national discomfort with this technology. Corporate use of face surveillance is very dangerous to people's privacy, end quote. It seems like the website will still use the technology in very limited forms like helping users who get locked out of their accounts. But the deletion of millions of users' facial recognition data is a huge move and one that is certainly being made to improve their image, which is desperately needed after choosing a company name like Meta. Hey! Now it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend, and today I'm calling Brian Miller. Brian is a magician turned author, speaker, and consultant on human connection, His TEDx talk, How to Magically Connect with Anyone, has been viewed 3.5 million times. And his podcast, Beyond Networking, features legends and leaders of industry and cracked the top 200 under careers on Apple.
1: Excited to talk to you, Brian. Hey, man! Thanks so much for having me. I'm uh, I'm excited to
0: talk to you. I haven't seen you in the world in a long time. Nah, no one's seen each other in the world. No one does that. Actually, I will be. Uh, I'll be flying out and seeing some real people tomorrow. I'm doing a show with a couple entertainers named Wacky Chad and Will Rotten. So, because I'm the only one without a funny name, I am the MC of that show. That's how that works. Oh, good. Yeah. You 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 suit MC work well, though. Thank you. I enjoy MC yeah. work. Um, because the the thing I don't like about MC work is that you lose any sort of running threads that are in your act. If you have something that ties your show together, you lose that. It becomes very modular, but I, I enjoy it because I like working with other people. I like being part of a cast. I like watching other people work and I like having gaps where I can stop and think about what I'm going to do next. It's like doing my show in slow motion. Well, let's get into it. For this first question, Brian, we're going to play for a joke. So if you get it right, I have to tell you a joke. If you get it wrong, you'll tell me one. Here's your question. Facebook, now wishing to be called Meta, made an announcement this week that uh, it will be making another major change. Which one of these multiple choice answers is that major change? A, it will be ending the memories section of the Facebook social media platform. B, it will be changing the name of Instagram to Metagram. Or C, it will no longer be using facial recognition and will delete that data from its
1: servers. I did not hear this, but I'm going to go with C. It's deleting the facial recognition.
0: You are correct. They have decided to delete all of their facial recognition data that they've been compiling over 11 years. Millions and wow. millions of data points, and they will no longer be doing suggested tagging uh on the wow. facebook
1: platform Wow it really that was really that was really innovative when that first happened
0: It really was, and it's the first time Facebook has made a decision that doesn't feel like something out of a black mirror episode, in my opinion,
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, although it it does feel like a little bit too little too late, but that we'll leave that for another time. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's it, in, yeah, it seems like it's really a PR effort, right? Because they're they're getting some bad PR right now and and really always are, but specifically right now. So I owe you a joke. Yeah. The joke is, why did the mailman die? I don't know, because everybody dies.
1: <laughs> there you go. There's yeah, your joke. yeah, yeah. Appreciate I'm really it. my in... philosophy. My philosophy degree appreciates that joke. <laughs> I love the anti jokes. I started like four or five weeks yeah. ago. I started telling anti jokes, and now I'm just loving it.
0: All right, it's let's... literally.
1: I was I was prepared to tell you an anti joke if that had gone wrong, but go Do you ahead. You want to tell
0: it anyway? You can. I'm totally happy with you telling a joke.
1: Uh, sure. Why is an elephant small, gray, and wrink- uh Why Why is an elephant large, gray, and wrinkled? Why? Because if he were small, white, and smooth, he'd be an aspirin.
0: Uh, <laughs> I, like a, I like that bundle theory one.
1: of properties. Okay.
0: <laughs> question number two. For this question, we're going to play for a story about something in our show or talk or performance that just didn't work out the way we saw it working out. Maybe a bit or a piece that you thought would work or just didn't for for some reason. Here's your question. Chinese law enforcement officials in nanchang in the province of Jiangxi, used facial recognition technology to find a fugitive. This was back in 2018. They said, quote, he was very shocked and had a blank face when we caught him, end quote. Where was he that they used facial recognition to find him? A, he was in a huge crowd at a pop concert. B, he was on CCTV in a bank. Or C, he was playing Xbox with Kinect.
1: I have no idea, but I'm going to go with C, playing Xbox.
0: Unfortunately, Brian, the answer was A, he was in a huge crowd at a pop concert. He was with probably tens of thousands of other people. He was at a Jackie Chung concert with his wife, and he said he would have never gone to the concert if he knew police were capable of identifying him in the crowd, which is uh, pretty scary. Like, they're scanning the crowd with cameras and able to identify him that way. Uh, China is much more into facial recognition than, than we are. They've used it for people paying at restaurants boarding planes and uh just just all kinds of stuff they're really on they've even china has even implemented facial recognition for marriage licenses somehow like all you have to do is it scans your face and then it fills out the license certificate
1: your marriage license certificate because it's got all that information stored already uh sign me up yeah, that sounds easier. That's I'll, I gave away all my privacy already, that's fine. Sign yeah, me up.
0: Yeah. Anyone that owns an iPhone is just like, yeah, we're already bought in. All right, do you yeah. have an example of something in your in your act or in your repertoire that that maybe didn't go the way
1: you planned? Yeah, th- uh, this is kind of a weird one because it was it was the the most popular piece in my act for years that I had to remove because it wasn't popular enough. Uh, so for years, uh, uh, back in 2013, I became the first magician in history anywhere in the world to use live guitar looping in a magic show. Uh, it was a piece I worked on for a a year before I debuted it in the show, very secretive because no one else had done it. I wanted to be able to claim I was the first. It was my way of introducing music in my show because I, I never used music in my show i was one of the only magicians who didn't have any music in my show um, because i wanted to introduce it organically and then looping pedals made it possible play something create a loop put the guitar down and then do magic to the music i just created Ooh. so it was really really unique and i did it for like three years and after every single show it was all anybody wanted to talk about lines of people to talk about how cool it was i play guitar reasonably well and so it was a lot of fun but after three years, I got exhausted from taking the uh, all the gear with me everywhere in the world, all the guitar gear and everything, just for a five minute piece in the middle of my show. And when I first toyed with taking it out, the answer from my management was, nobody has ever booked you specifically citing or requesting that piece, hmm. in spite of how popular it is. So if you take it out, I don't think we're gonna have any issues. I took it out, not one person ever complained or ever asked for it again. So, interesting. It didn't, it, yeah, it didn't become the the reason people wanted me that I thought in spite of being the most talked about piece when people did see the show.
0: That's really interesting and and slightly inspirational for me as well, because of uh, being in a similar field. I feel sometimes married to the multiplying bottles routine, especially after having performed it on Penn and Teller. Uh, and probably the same can be said. I don't know about corporate crowds, but in colleges, I'm not sure anyone has ever said, "Is he going to do the bottles?" Now, the chicken is a different yeah. thing. the The chicken trick, people yeah. say, make sure he brings the chicken. That is like a deal breaker. Right. So I can't. But that right. doesn't take up as much room. All I need is a rotisserie chicken, and you know I'm good. But the the <laughs> that's really really interesting and great insight to hear. I I always love when we get to hear stuff from management or from lay people, non non performers that that give us a little bit of a accurate a more accurate view of our act of what we do sometimes uh i will sit next to my agent at you know a conference and we'll be watching other acts and listening to her comments on the acts is very valuable because it i get to learn things that uh i would have not ever made that observation you get to hear observations from people who are not
1: um magicians or just performers in general I'm with you, and I know you're going to move right on to the next question. But one quick last word on that: I did the same thing once. I sat at the back of the room, watching a magician. uh, You know, a thousand people in the room, uh, just lay, you know, average non-magicians in a show, and I was in the last row. And the magician went to go do the uh, the torn and restored newspaper, and I literally, I think, I audibly rolled my eyes because I've just seen that trick so many times. I'm like, why would you choose that of anything to do? And as I was having that like negative thought. The person sitting in front of me turned to the person sitting next to him, to his friend. And he said, dude, I've seen this trick so many times. And my brain is going, yeah, exactly. He goes, I've seen this trick so many times and I can never figure it out. And then he leaned in to watch uh, it again. Wow. And I just thought, damn, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. exactly what I thought, but the ro- the the opposite
0: consequence. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. It's good to have an outside yeah. perspective on stuff. Sometimes we get too close to it. Question three. For this question, we are playing for a coveted The Internet Says It's True sticker. It's a three by three sticker, bright orange and super sticky, and you can put them on things. Uh, The only way you can get one of these stickers is by joining the Patreon or winning the third question as part of the quiz. Here's your question. The first facial recognition system used 20 data points, which basically just measured different distances on the face. They actually required a human at this point, using a graphics tablet to point to the measurement points on photos of of people's faces. This method could process around 40 faces an hour. What year was this first system developed? So here's your first facial recognition system development, A 1960, B 1984,
1: or C 1993 oh man i'm torn between i was originally gonna say the 60s it feels too early but i uh i don't think i don't think they had the the processing power i'm gonna say 84. oh brian miller you should have trusted your gut it was 1960 you knew it you knew that one (laughs) i do. my parents are both computer scientists and my (laughs) gut said they could do it back then this came out of sri
0: international in california it was pioneered by woody bledsoe Helen Chan-Wolf and Charles Bisson, who all are AI specialists and I think people who work in AI know. At least Woody Bloodsoe and, and Helen Chan-Wolf, I found their Wikipedia pages interesting because they went on to become pretty well known. But uh, to me, the idea of someone having a graphics tablet in 1960 sounds unbelievable. That doesn't sound right, uh, but that's what that's what the uh, the data says. And Yeah, they would have to just take a photo of someone's face. And, you know, I guess it's one of the early Wacom tablets or something and just point to the corners of their mouth and measure that distance and the distance between their pupils and all these things in order to create a data set of 20 data points. So, unfortunately, Brian, I'm not going to get you a sticker in the mail this time. Maybe, maybe next time I have you on the show. Question four. For this question, we are playing for an audio Easter egg in your next podcast. So if you get it wrong... You'll have to insert a phrase of my choosing into your next episode. If you get it right, I'll say that phrase in next week's episode of this show. Here's your phrase. The phrase will be, say what you will, Smurfs was ahead of its time. That's the phrase. I kind of want to lose this one. (laughs) (laughs) Here it is. True or false, facial recognition was used... To catch Joseph James D'Angelo, the notorious Golden State Killer.
1: Oh, oh my God. I have no idea.
0: True. The answer, I'm sorry, is false. You don't have <laughs> to, uh, you do have to do the audio Easter egg. So, this one I made tricky on purpose. This was a hard question because there was a newer technology used to find the Golden State Killer, but it was a genealogy DNA service, like a 23andMe type of thing. That's wow. what they used to find this guy because some of his family members had used some of these services, I guess, and they had this database out there that the FBI or whoever used to locate the dude, which is crazy. I mean, you know, and- That is crazy. You know, there's a reason I made 1984 one of the choices in that last question because some of this stuff seems like just super, super scary. Um, But if you're a serial killer, look out because if it's not facial recognition, it's a DNA match
1: so next week when's your next podcast when would that come out uh well uh the next one that i'm recording will be in uh, in a month or so, uh, in, in, in a few weeks
0: in a few weeks yeah. so when that comes out yeah. somehow if you can stick the phrase say what you will smurfs was ahead of its time that's the phrase get to in get there. in there uh yeah and and i think it'll be a lot of fun if you can sort of shoehorn it in there so it actually has some sort of contextual makes sense 100 100%. (laughs) percent. i had one there was an audio easter egg in this episode so if you're listening um go back to last week find out what that was and see if you found it in this week's episode this last question question number five is for all the marbles brian if you get this wrong i am banning you from this show never to be asked on again
1: (laughs) here's your question what is your favorite new piece of technology that's just the the question. What am I? What is my favorite? That's it. Oh man, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna get asked on again. This is terrible. <laughs> I'm gonna get it wrong. Um, honestly, my favorite new piece of technology is probably the new phone I finally upgraded to. Uh, I spent years not upgrading. I used to upgrade every year, like you know, top of the line, whatever the newest, best Samsung smartphone was. I haven't upgraded since 2018, and I just picked up the Samsung Note 20 Ultra, and it just three years has gone by it blew my mind it just blew my mind isn't it crazy yeah. how uh
0: by the way that is a correct answer so uh, oh, good. we'll we'll, good. <laughs> we'll bring you back on the show but it is, it's absolutely crazy how three years worth of technology is like it feels like a decade uh in terms of your, your speed and and yeah. just the abilities of that
1: phone that's Wait, a long time to go without to upgrading the- it got to the point where where once a year felt like I, it, there wasn't enough anymore. At some point, we'd yeah. reach we'd started to reach the point where smartphones had gotten about as good as they were going to get for a while. Um, but then waiting three years, uh, the 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 leap in the just the processing power and and having like eight cores in a phone in your pocket. I mean, it literally costs the same as a as a MacBook Pro now. I mean, right. It's insanity, <laughs> yeah, right? But it's nuts. Um, but you know, and it's bigger than my face. It is a know, huge, but, uh, huge. I need different. He's holding pants. up the
0: phone. For those of you who aren't watching this on Patreon, he's holding up the phone, and it is the size of his head. It's incredible. You, yeah, that I could, could not deal. That would not fit in pockets. Uh, that's That's super interesting. I have noticed that with the last few updates of iPhones that they're running out of things to update. They need people to keep buying the newest iPhone, so now it's just a, new, a better camera each time. That's been the biggest leap in technology between the last three iPhones is just a better camera.
1: And to the point of a lot of what this episode's been about, it's not even really a better camera. They've actually, sh- they, there's actually people who've taken these apart and showed the camera itself is almost the same camera it was ten years ago. It's the processing that's been improved oh. massively. See, I didn't it's know almost that. Almost all the processing, because the 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 size of the uh, sensor can only be so big in a phone, and if yes. the sensor can't be bigger than this tiny little thing, they can't make it that much better. But the AI doing the processing is just getting worlds ahead, it's nuts.
0: That makes a lot of sense and that does fit into our show. Well, everyone, you can go and follow Brian Miller online. I really highly suggest uh, that you listen to his podcast. Tell everyone about your your podcast and where they can listen.
1: Yeah, for sure, thanks. Uh, So beyond networking, uh, what I do is I help professionals, especially young professionals, early 20s to mid 30s, uh, build a sustainable career in an increasingly unpredictable world. And we do that by doubling down on the power of human connection. So it is largely an interview show. I do have on, as you said, legends and leaders of industries. I've had on uh, everyone from from Seth Godin, kind of the father of modern marketing, to Julian Treasure, one of the most popular TED speakers of all time with like 80 million views on TED, um, you know, people like that, Cal Fussman, a very famous journalist, um, all the way to just leaders of industries you've never heard of. Um, I really like featuring people who've done incredibly impressive work that you, you have no reason to have heard of for any other reason. And what I do is I don't bring them on to do what most podcast guests do, which also you don't bring on us to do the same thing either. Most people bring on a podcast guest to interview them, ask them to tell their, their origin story. And then we talk about their new book or their new course or whatever. I don't do any of that. Uh, we talk about the relationships, the chance encounters on which they built their success to talk about the, the networking, the connections, the human element to success. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of fun and you can find that at beyondnetworkingpodcast.com. That's awesome, Brian.
0: And I do have to say uh, you have been a tremendous help just in the world of tech. So it's been great that you've been on here because I know that when I have an audio question, uh, you're really good with audio. You just know a ton about audio production, and and so I have come to you a few times with this. And you even have a you have a course uh, for people
1: to help them with audio, right? I I do. Yeah. What is that called? Yeah, it's where, where can we find it's that? It's called it's called Audio 101 for Content Creators. And it's literally at audio101.info. Audio101.info. Yeah, it's just a crash cor- crash course and kind of beginner and intermediate audio. Just you know, level up your audio to match the quality of your content. Is Fantastic the, is the idea. Awesome. It's been a
0: pleasure having you on, man. It's great to catch up. Thanks so much. Well, that is all for this week. Thanks to Jake for the topic and to Brian Miller for being my guest. The following voice was produced using artificial intelligence.
1: Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. Don't forget to join up on Patreon if you want to see the unedited video of the guest appearance or to hear bonus episodes. You can do that at patreon.com slash Kent. Also, if you learned something that you didn't already know from the show, please visit iTunes and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That's the rule. You gotta do it. That helps us a ton, because that's how the algorithm works, to get the podcast suggested to more people. And that way we can keep learning something new. If the internet says it's true,
0: the internet says it's true, i would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Sean Brown, Catherine Morgan, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, Joshua Indress, and the show's official emperor, KickTrack. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and additional music this week was from William Rosati. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 U.S.C. Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Kent.